Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to the Warehouse Podcast. I'm Tyler, and I'm here solo today to give you a review of Game 1 of the ALDS between the Baltimore Orioles and the Texas Rangers. Uh, we're going to try to do these episodes after every single game of the Orioles' postseason run. Hopefully we've got a lot more to go, although unfortunately this first game did not go as we hoped as the Orioles dropped the opener 3-2 to to the Texas Rangers. And we're probably not going to get into all the specifics of the game. If you're listening to this, we assume you probably watched almost all or all of the game and at the very least saw the highlights. But we do want to, I want to touch on a few things here uh, that kind of stood out to me. Um, so this being game one, I first wanted to start with the roster that got announced um, prior to the game. Um, it was interesting, and I think by far the biggest story of that was that John Means was not on the ALDS roster. You know, we know he just got back from Tommy John surgery, had made a handful of starts in the regular season, looked pretty good, wasn't missing a ton of bats, but in general, the high-level numbers were good, and you would have assumed he was going to pitch a game in this series. Um, Fangraphs did their projections prior to the series, and, you know, we didn't. they didn't know who was going to pitch what games, so they were making some assumptions, and they had assumed Means was going to take the ball in Game 2. I didn't necessarily agree with that, but I figured he would probably pitch in Game 3. He's been better than uh, Dean Kramer and Kyle Gibson down the stretch. Veteran, I figure you'd go with the hot hand. Um, but it turns out he's not making the roster at all because of some elbow stiffness. However, Brandon Hyde did say that it's not a type of injury that would keep him out of the ALCS. So clearly something minor, um, which is great, but it is unfortunate we don't have him uh, because you, you might like to see him at this point, even in a relief situation or something like that. But anyway, that was the big first first note was John Means not on the roster. Number two, I think, was that Shintaro Fujinami didn't make it, which isn't necessarily surprising. I think some people were expecting that. He'd been pretty erratic, you know, throws as hard as anybody in the bullpen, but when you really need an out, can you depend on Fujinami? Not so sure. So he didn't make it, not terribly surprising, but Brian Baker made it instead where... I'm not sure that I trust Brian Baker a whole lot either. He went down to Norfolk for the last, what, month or two of the season and was not very good there either. Um, so that was a bit of a surprising one too. Now, in a five-game series, are you going to really use all the depth in your bullpen? Hopefully not. You should have your your big guns available um, basically every game. Um, but still... You know, Brian Baker is not a person I really want on the mound right now. Probably would have preferred to see Mike Ballman if you're going to go uh, to that point. Obviously, didn't need any more lefties, really. So Nick Vespi probably wasn't really in the conversation there. But definitely Brian Baker on there instead of Ballman or Fujinami, I think, is interesting. And then the final one uh, wasn't really surprising, but Heston Kerstad did make the postseason roster over probably Ryan McKenna, which not shocking. Kerstad was on the roster for the, the last final stretch there. Um, but not having McKenna, I think, seemed to impact some lineup decisions that Brandon Hyde then made to start the game. Um, so let's get into that now. So the, the lineup came out against a left-hander, Andrew Heaney. Typically, you know, 
there's a lot of opinions out there about Jorge Mateo, understandably. Uh, he's been kind of a non-factor at the plate for the most part. Defense hasn't been quite as good as you, you, you maybe thought from 2022. But whatever the case is, ha, may be, he has been a viable option against left-handed pitching. He actually has like a 740 OPS against them this year. You know, really, really impactful that way. He typically starts against lefties. That's what Brandon Hyde has been doing. Jorge Mateo starts against lefties. That's not what he decided to do here, though. Instead, putting Mateo on the bench, that meant Urias played third base and Gunnar Henderson moved over to shortstop. That's not a terrible defensive setup, but Urias has not hit well against lefties. Gunnar has not hit lefties as well as righties, which, you know, you're not taking Gunnar out of the lineup, but it just it slightly ticks the, the offense down just a little bit. But the positive is then you have Mateo to come in the game late as a pinch runner. Um, and I, as I was saying about the McKenna point, if Ryan McKenna is on the roster, you potentially don't have to think that way. You can say, well, we've got McKenna, who is not as fast or as good of a base runner as Mateo is, but he's still impactful. And he's the kind of guy that if he's on second base, he's going to score on a single unless it's a freaking laser beam. Ryan McKenna is going to score from second on a single, might score from first on a double. You know, he's fast enough to do those sorts of things. McKenna's not on the roster. They went for the power option with Kerstad, which, again, I think is totally defensible. I get it. But that, I think, does factor into Brendan Hyde's uh, lineup decisions. And and we're going to have something similar today with another lefty on the mound, Jordan Montgomery. Is Mateo again going to be on the bench? I'm not sure. We'll see. All right, so th- that was the, 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 the lineup, the roster stuff. I think that was all pregame. Then getting into the game, um, honestly, both both starters looked pretty solid early. Uh, Bradish clearly has the more the more elite stuff than Heaney. He was getting the swings and misses, whereas Heaney was kind of living off of weak contact. I thought Bradish, in general, looked pretty good in this game. Now he only goes uh, four and two thirds, seven hits in those four and two thirds, not great. But a lot of those hits were were kind of dink and dunk. There wasn't a ton of hard contact off of him. I thought he looked good. Got a lot of swing and miss, like I said. Slider was good. Fastball was wor- was working pretty well. Um, wasn't issuing walks. Had control. Struck out nine. I mean, Bradish looked pretty good, I thought. Um, don't love the two runs in only four and two-thirds, but we've kind of seen that with Bradish throughout the season. He'll give up a couple, then he'll settle in and go and give you six. Now, in the postseason, you can't really risk him having maybe a little more trouble, them seeing him a third time, which... That's I'll say that as well. He turned that over that lineup over, started facing the top of the lineup for a third time. I was like, oof, we need to get him out of this game. Even though he's not giving up hard contact, they're starting to see him a little bit. Don't love what that portends. Credit to him. He got a couple more strikeouts. Uh uh handed the ball over to Danny Coulomb, who did a nice job to get out of the fifth inning. And I felt pretty good. Five, you know, after five innings, um, I think the score was it was uh, two to one. Um, so let's go back to the Orioles scoring that run. But um, but in general, Kyle Bradish, I was pretty impressed with. I thought he did a nice job against a good Texas lineup that he's seen two other times this year. Now, granted, last time he saw him was back in May. But strong lineup, two runs from your starter, I think is is pretty good. Um, so can't complain about, uh, about uh, Kyle Bradish there really at all. Now, on the offensive side of things, I think you – that is the whole problem today, and that's what people will definitely glean from this game is the offense just didn't do enough, and you can't really say otherwise. They got two runs off five hits. Um, they did walk five times, which was nice to see. They were patient at the plate. They just weren't really hitting the ball with a lot of conviction. 
Um, only struck out seven times in a nine inning game. Again, you'll take that. But it was largely Anthony Santander and nobody else. That that was the offense today. Santander went two for three with a walk, an RBI, which was the home run. Um, and then he also did have an unfortunate uh, double play situation. But yeah, that was kind of the the story through the first four innings. Is it nobody on the Orioles was getting hits? They were putting the ball in play, but they weren't getting through. They weren't hitting the ball with a lot of conviction. It was pretty much just the Anthony Santander show, um, which is you're not going to win that way. I think Santander is a very important player on this team. He is the power in this lineup. They need him obviously to perform. We've seen this lineup when he's gone gone cold, and it's not a very appealing thing to watch, but they need more than just him. They need the people in front of him to get on base, which was the issue here. Austin Hayes had a bad day at the plate. Adley Rutschman had a bad day at the plate. They both walked one time, but we need singles. We need a guy in in scoring position, and they just weren't really performing. Uh, They weren't providing that for Anthony Santander today. Now, you know, we're not in panic mode here, but um, on Camden Chat this week, we did kind of a round robin of uh, questions that Mark uh, the editor had kind of posed to all the writers who really needs to step up in this series for the Orioles to have a shot. And and my answer was Adley Rutschman because he doesn't need to be otherworldly because I think if you look at a lot of his numbers, they get put in the context of really good for a catcher, which they are. They're, they're elite for a catcher. He's, you know, you can argue he is the best hitting catcher, best overall catcher in all of baseball, but they are not you know, uh, they're not triple crown type numbers. They are just really good, solid numbers. And he's done a good job of setting the table for the Orioles middle of the lineup most of the year. The Orioles need that. They need guys on base. This isn't a team that hits a ton of home runs. They need guys on base to cause havoc and to, uh, to have those big innings, those lopsided numbers, or else you're relying on a solo home run for Anthony Santander. And that's kind of all you got. Um, so he went 0 for 3 with a walk and a strikeout. The Orioles need him on base a little bit more often than that. They need Austin Hayes uh, on base a little more often. And I think, you know, that's the left-handed starting matchup, left-handed pitcher starting on the mound for the Rangers is that makes Austin Hayes into the leadoff hitter, which probably isn't the best version of this Orioles lineup. Um, but again, we're going to have that again today with Jordan Montgomery on the mound. We'll see. Will Brandon Hyde go back to the well and put Austin Hayes at top of the lineup. Again, I don't think you need to panic. This is a team that won 101 games with this formula, but I think that, in general, the better version of this lineup is against right-handed pitching, and uh, we're not going to see that until Game 3. And at that point, it you know we, we got to see where, where the series is, but that things can get tenuous there, and, and you start to go a little bit um, off-kilter and make decisions you wouldn't normally make because you have to win the game. Um but so that was kind of the story of the offense was Anthony Santander and nobody else. He had um, uh, the, the solo home run. So the other RBI came off the bat of Ryan Mountcastle in the fourth inning. After Anthony Santander had walked ahead of him, he doubled into left field to score the Orioles' first run of the game at the time, uh, drew them within one run of the Rangers. That felt huge. They got they, That was the second time through the order against Heaney. They started to see the ball a little bit better, hit the ball a little harder. Um, that was nice to see. You thought it would be maybe... It would continue to go that way, um, but that wasn't what would happen. Uh, Heaney got taken out in the middle of that fourth inning. That was kind of Bruce Bochy, I think, sort of seeing, all right, it's time to make the move. This guy was a bit of, bit of a surprise pick to start this game anyway. We don't want to expose him too much. Let's yank him, and we'll bring in Dane Dunning, who was the one I think a lot of people expected to be starting this game. He's pitched, had a nice season for the Rangers, um, didn't get the start, 
He comes in in relief as a righty facing now a um, lineup that was tailored towards a left-handed pitcher. Um, and then the Orioles started to make their subs a little bit after that. Uh, he had gotten um, – we ter- we put in Frazier uh, in, in place of Jordan Westberg. That didn't work out. Frazier had an 0 for 3 day as a pinch hitter and then taking over second base. Um, Dunning, the only the only run in, the only run Dunning gave up was the solo home run to Anthony Santander, and uh, that came in the sixth inning. And then besides that, the Orioles didn't get much else done in the game. They did have a, a golden opportunity. I think it was in the eighth inning um, to to score another run. Uh, this was with a Roldis Chapman pitching, which you know felt like an opportunity. Chapman's been wild. Hasn't had the best season. Traded from the Roy went went from the Royals to the Rangers. Was good with the Royals, less so with the Rangers. Um, walks the first two batters he faces in the eighth inning. Austin Hayes, Adley Rutschman. Those are the two walks they got earlier, which is great. We need we need that. That's what the Orioles need to be successful. Traffic on the bases. Then Santander comes up. He's the guy that's been hitting the ball all day in the lineup. He's the one you want up. And unfortunately, hits into a double play. Ground ball to third base. Uh, J- or Josh Young fields it to second, over to first, completes the double play, and that kind of squashed the Orioles' rally there. Ryan Mountcastle strikes out to end the inning, and that felt sort of like a nail in the coffin for the Orioles there. Um, they did come back out in the ninth inning. Gunner led off with a single, um, but then Gunner tries to steal second, gets caught stealing, and again, that was like, oh, like we felt like we had something going. Gunner on base, fast guy, good base runner, can score kind of from anywhere if the ball is put in the right spot. Didn't love the decision to go to second base. Uh, didn't work out for him. Now, obviously, you know that's that's what makes that's part of what makes Gunner good. Not that he's a stolen base guy all the time, but fast, makes things happen, puts the defense um, on their toes, and unfortunately, just didn't work out. Aaron hit, Aaron Hicks struck out after that. Adam Frazier grounded out, and the game. And the Orioles uh, go down one nothing in the series. Today, you know, it's a cliche to say must win. They're all must wins. It's the playoffs. You got to win games to advance. You don't want to go to Texas down 2-0. I don't know the number. I'm sure there's a stat out there that tells you 90-some cr- crazy percent of teams that go down 2-0 in the ALDS do not win the ALDS. Um, they need to win today. They need to win today. So that kind of switches us to the the uh, preview of game two, which I'm recording this in the morning of Sunday the 8th. The Orioles play game two at 4 o'clock today. The matchup there is Grayson Rodriguez versus Jordan Montgomery. Montgomery looked really good in that wild card game against the Rays. Grayson obviously hasn't pitched in a bit because the Orioles got the bye. You'd expect Grayson to come out pretty amped up. You're gonna, you know, it's gonna be reminiscent of the Chris Tillman uh, p- performance in, I guess, the ALDS in 2014 or maybe 2012. That ALDS, he came out firing and, and throwing as hard as you've ever seen, if if not harder. I'm expecting something similar from Grayson, but this is a, this is a rookie. You worry about that, but it's a guy that's taken his lumps this year, shown some composure, and I expect him to come out looking pretty good. Now. What's important to note from from the game one is who will be available out of the bullpen for the Orioles. I think the only guy that we're, you're probably not going to see today, and I this was a question I had about the usage of him in game one, was D.L. Hall. 
DL Hall is kind of the guy to me in this bullpen that you can go to and say, we need to strike out DL, bring him in. You throw the hardest, you throw from the left side, bring him in. We need a K right now. He had a nice uh, day on the mound. 1.2 scoreless innings, three strikeouts, just the one walk. But he also threw 28 pitches. Now, they will have a day off on Monday that, you know, maybe then he's fine for Tuesday. But do you want to use him back-to-back days if he's thrown 28 pitches? Now, I think you can. I think you can bring him in in a situation today where you really need to strike out, like I said. But I don't think you can say, hey, DL, you threw 28 pitches on Saturday. We need another 15 to get through a whole inning on Sunday. I don't think that's going to work out. And with the three batter rule, you know, you can't guarantee I can only get him to face one batter. Um, But if Corey Seager comes up today, runners on second, well, I wouldn't say second and third, because then you probably just walk Corey Seager. But bases loaded, two outs, Corey Seager comes up. Are you going to let a righty face Corey Seager? Do you want Danny Coulomb, who throws a bit softer, to face Corey Seager? You probably want D.L. Hall in that situation, and I think you can go get him. But then if something happens, a walk, a hit, he's got to stand for three batters. I'm not sure what you do to navigate that situation. So that was my only question today about the usage of Hall was he went a little bit longer than I think he probably should have, as good as he looked. And I know you just need to get outs. You also need to think about multiple games too. So we'll see about that. I think besides that, though, everybody should be available. Danny Coulomb only threw nine pitches. Uh, Jacob Webb Webb threw 12. They looked bad, but he threw 12. Gave up the solo home run uh, to Young. Uh, Tyler Wells only threw 10, and CNL Perez 13. So I think everybody is available in the right situation. D.L. Hall, I don't think you can ask a whole inning out of D.L. Hall. Um, That's kind of the, the bullpen preview for today. And then the lineup, we talked about that. It's a lefty starter on the mound, Montgomery. Is Mateo going to sit the bench again? Um, is Ryan O'Hearn going to sit the bench again? Now, Ryan O'Hearn has very drastic splits, but, you know, well, and I'll, I'll say this. Montgomery is going to have a longer leash than Heaney did because Montgomery has been so good for the Rangers since he came over from the Cardinals in that trade. So I think you can probably stay, keep Ryan O'Hearn on the bench, use him as a, a late inning pinch hit option because Ryan Mountcastle is so good against lefties. So I think the question really is, um, it's about Mateo, and I think it's about Mullins a little bit. Um, Mullins has been pretty bad since he got off the IL. They showed some stats on the Fox broadcast yesterday. His, his batting average is like 170 or something since coming off of the injured list. Do you want to start Mullins against a left-handed pitcher? He's been your center fielder most of the year besides the IL stints. Would you prefer Hicks play center field? You can get... Um, uh, Kerstad in as DH Santander plays right field you know now again that's Kerstad a lefty versus a lefty you know that gets dicey too but like you need offense Mullins has not been offense for this team and you can have him as a bench option to come off and pinch run hit against a right-handed reliever I, I think that is definitely a worthwhile consideration um, so those are the two and then and then obviously Urias would come off if uh, Mateo comes in, play shortstop, Gunner, go over to third base. So I think there's some things for um, Brandon Hyde to think about. I'm sure he has thought about them. You really need offense. I, I just think you got to contemplate shaking up the lineup a little bit. Um, and it's not even that crazy. It's honestly just going back to your roots, to, to what has worked throughout the season, and getting Mateo in there. Um, obviously a risk if the game is close late, you don't have that pinch hit option or pinch run option, but you, if Mullins is on the bench, you kind of do, 
So we'll see. We'll see. Um, but excited about the game. So today's game is 4 o'clock. I think it's on FS1 because I'm sure football is on regular Fox. Really feels like a must win. Don't want to go down 2-0 and go to Texas. But that is my take. I'll be back to give you another a review of game two, preview of game three, um, likely tonight or early Monday morning. Um, but thank you so much for listening. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow the podcast on Twitter at The Warehouse Pod. Eli's doing a great job over there. Uh, he's able to go to the game uh, one and game two, so I'm sure he's tweeting out some opinions and some stuff there, so check that out. And uh, you can also subscribe to the podcast. We are we can get delivered in newsletter format to your email inbox, uh, thewarehousepod.substack.com. Um, and until next time, I am Tyler, and this has been The Warehouse Podcast. Thank you for listening. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.